0: spoiler alert this is an edited show we're going to talk for the hour um but the episode is going to be 15 minutes so uh quite a lot will be left uh in in the editing room this podcast has been a journey in that like i i see how much i edit myself i found that yeah i was editing myself out a lot either consciously or subconsciously so yeah i'm trying to build that that Comfort and confidence to be more in the show.
1: <laughs> well, I would challenge you to find a way to include some of what you just said in this episode.
0: All right. Challenge accepted. This is people like us, a show about Alt MBA alumni. Here's Jen Waldman from Alt MBA 15. You've had quite the career. So I wanna I actually want to start earlier with your time as an actor. Hmm. When did you decide that 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 was the path that you wanted to go on?
1: Well, I was always sort of obsessed with musical theater, Broadway musicals. When other kids in my high school were listening to Guns N' Roses and stuff like that, I was listening to the original Broadway cast recording of Sweeney Todd, (laughs) basically on repeat. So I loved musicals I think because of the ability for the music and the text to come together to tell this really compelling story and I was just soaking it in. Um I think now that I'm looking back on it obviously you know hindsight's 2020 that that really was the beginning of me recognizing that things that don't always seem like they could go together can go together to make something really special. And I knew that I wanted to be an artist and acting at that point seemed like the obvious choice because I could understand what that was. And if you had asked me what are the other possible career paths in the theater, I wouldn't have been able to answer it because that was the only thing that was visible to me at that time was, you know, the people who were on the stage. So I think that's why I went down that path and I loved it so much and I felt great doing it. So when I moved to New York, I was very fortunate. I, I became part of a Broadway show very, very quickly. I was very young and I was surrounded by Broadway veterans. I was the youngest person in the cast and they all sort of took me under their wing and started teaching me the things that they had learned over the course of their careers and, what this kind of work had meant to them and the importance of community and chosen family and all of that really good stuff. So I learned all of these lessons so early that I think my first sort of transition into a different way of looking at my career happened early because I had gotten so much out of the actor experience. And I kind of had that what next moment
0: pretty quickly after that. And people might not know this, but you were you were in Wicked, right?
1: I was. I played Nessa Rose, the Wicked Witch of the East in Wicked. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's like that's like top of the mountain for for some. Like, there, I'm, I'm sure there are some actors, aspiring actors, that that's that's the end goal for them. And and you reach that point, and and yet you you were looking for what's next. Do you remember? That time or that moment? Like what was going on in your in your head?
1: It didn't happen in a flash, but when the decision became clear to me that I needed to do something else, it was so clear that there was nothing that was going to stop me from making a change. So I had been doing Wicked for almost four years at this point. And it is every actor's dream to be a principal role in a hit show with a truly devoted fan base where you don't have to do anything to get applause. They take the lights down at the beginning of the show for the show to start. And the place goes crazy. Everybody starts screaming. It's like, there's really nothing like it. But after a while, what I started to realize was that even though I was telling this story that I really, really believed in, I loved the message of, I wasn't really developing a relationship with the audience because in the commercial theater, The audience comes and sees the show once, unless they are, you know, crazy devoted fans or groupies. The goal is to get someone to buy a ticket and then they're gone. And so I started sort of like feeling this disconnect from the audience because there wasn't time to cultivate something more meaningful with them. And I started getting a little agitated and antsy. And at that time, I I was sort of moonlighting. My studio had started, ironically, the same week I started rehearsals for Wicked. Those two things happened at the exact same time. So I was living this two sort of parallel lives, one as an actor on stage and the other as a coach in a studio with a bunch of actors who were going out to all sorts of different stages every night. And what I realized was that, and I don't think I would have been able to articulate it this way at that point. But what I realized was that I was making a bigger impact in my coaching work because with wicked, I had access to, you know, 1500 audience members a night, but with the actors who I was working with in the studio, each one of them was in a different show. So now multiply that, that number of audience members by the number of actors. And now we've got exponentially bigger reach and bigger chance to make a difference. So that started really inspiring me. And I got to the point where my studio had just sort of without, I mean, there was effort, but I wasn't focusing on expanding, but had had sort of snowballed organically and it had reached a point where I was like, I really need to either go all in here or go all in with the acting. And the choice is so clear to me. So I was coming up to the end of my contract and I called my agent and I said, I don't want to renew and there's literally no amount of money that they could offer me that would make me stay. I'm this certain that this is the right choice. So I threw caution in the wind, took a leap. And my last performance was December 10th, 2006.
0: Wow, that that is quite the leap. Uh, it it almost sounds like you you were seeking, I guess, a stronger connection at, w- with your audience, and and you'd you'd almost uh, reframe the audience from being those that were that had come to see the show to to those that um, were in your studio or those that you could walk work. Um, one-on-one with that that you wanted to have a, not a one-and-done relationship, but one that would grow and evolve over time. Is that is that an accurate way of describing it?
1: That is absolutely it. You hit the nail on the head. And it's funny, when I look back to the experiences I had in Wicked, the most meaningful experiences I had there were one's That had nothing to do with performing the show, but the experiences where the cast would come together around a cause. And we would work together to either raise money or produce something to shine a light on this cause. But it was the idea that we were all actually interacting with each other at a higher level that made that work so meaningful. And I just wanted more of that. I wanted more of the opportunity to really create things. Because when you're in a Broadway show, you're doing... The same show eight times a week. You're never doing it exactly the same way. Of course, the audience is different every night and sometimes understudies are on or, you know, things go wrong and all that kind of stuff. But in essence, the goal is to get to the same finish line every night. And so I was looking to move the line.
0: Oh man, that's a great way of putting it. So switching gears, where does All-NBA enter the story?
1: My studio had reached this saturation point where I had no more capacity to take on new clients. And I was talking to a friend of mine about this. And I said, okay, the time has come. It's time to expand. And he said, why? And I said, supply and demand. And then he said, no, no, no. You need to read this book. Start with why by Simon Sinek. So I read that book and it completely transformed the way I was thinking about my life, my work, my everything. And I made huge sweeping changes. Long story short, I ended up meeting Simon. And then I ultimately met his CEO, who I didn't know at the time was part of Alt-MBA 1 or 2. Can't remember. Through her met this genius named Ian Scott, who if anyone who's part of the Alt-MBA family probably recognizes that name. And I had a conversation with Ian that just sort of blew my mind. So I asked Simon's CEO, Kim, where did you find that guy? He is such a genius. I want to be around people who think like that. And she said, he was in my Alt-MBA cohort. So literally that night, I Googled Alt-MBA the applications happened to be open. I didn't know anything about the program. I did not research it at all. I just applied because I thought, well, if that's where you find someone as smart as Ian Scott, that's where I want to be. So I applied and then I was accepted. And then the box of books arrived in the mail and I was like, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> but it was uh, it was a wonderful thing to get myself into.
0: How would you say you you leveled up uh, or changed in Alt-NBA?
1: Oh my gosh. It was epic. It was truly a life-altering experience for so many reasons. I mean, the, m- the most obvious answer is Peter Shepard, who was my coach, because I accidentally signed up for the wrong time zone. It was a total accident that I ended up with Peter as a coach. And... I was shocked to see the more people weren't taking advantage of these 20 minute individual coachings. So any time I saw one open, I grabbed it um, with Peter and with Kirsty Stark, who was my other coach and also an incredible Australian. Um, and during one of the coachings, Peter asked me a simple, but completely provocative question about the way I was approaching my life and my work. And it, in an instant, changed the way I saw everything. I mean, it was as big to me as finding my why, and that started a whole journey in a different direction, looking to expand and include, and just keep this idea of expansion and inclusion going. And when we got to the end of the Alt MBA. We got on our final twenty-minute coaching session. I I said something like, "I hope this isn't inappropriate, but I can't live without you." <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do about this? Can we keep working together? So we have been working together ever since. And what started as sort of a a coach-student relationship became a friendship, which now became a collaboration. And we've been making things together, including our new podcast, Long and the Short of It, which comes out on October 2nd. And that was the biggest shift was really meeting him and figuring out how to implement all of his amazing ideas.
0: Nice. That's amazing. What's next for you now?
1: So the big shift has been taking away the sort of compartmentalization of my work and saying, this work is dedicated to artists. This work is dedicated to public speakers. This work is dedicated to entrepreneurs. This work is dedicated to people in whatever industry and just pulling all of the boundaries away and finding ways for all of it to feed each other. So that's been the journey of this post alt MBA year and now I feel like, <laughs> I said to Peter a couple months ago, I was like, oh, it's just about that 9, 10-month mark. I think I'm having my alt-MBA baby right now because <laughs> these ideas that were planted back then have taken a while to fully form, but we, I completely overhauled my studio's scholarship program. So it used to be sort of based on need and artistic merit. And that's just not a prerequisite anymore. Now the the entire scholarship program is based on the change you seek to make in the world and how you intend to use art as a platform to make that change. So that was transformed and it's been a pretty amazing ride. Um, I took a course that I had been teaching in a totally different way and use this idea of cross-pollination to redesign the whole thing. I'm writing a book. I launched a blog. I'm launching the podcast. It's like, I'm just saying yes to everything because I realize that what I know sometimes hurts me. Like the boundaries that I see can get in my way. And the big lesson from Alt MBA is to, to do it anyway.
0: Could you tell me more about the podcast? It's coming out October 2nd. What is the long and short of it about? Or I guess what's the long and short of the long and short of it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we came up with the name just because Peter and I are such a visual gag because he's six foot seven and I'm five foot one. So standing next to each other, we're like different species. We are literally (laughs) the long and the short of it. But essentially, it's a podcast for people who like to ask questions and who feel most satisfied when there is no right answer. So we often use ourselves as sort of the guinea pigs for the ideas that we're exploring. But mostly, it's about all the different ways we can help ourselves get better. Getting a little better every day, whether that is through creative practices or good habit forming or... Morning rituals or the way you brainstorm. You know, we look at a sort of different element every week and try to examine it from all different angles to hopefully provide a lot of possibilities and no right answers to the people who are listening.
0: Well, I I've listened to the trailer and and I uh, I love the dynamic uh, that you and you and Pete have. And uh, I remember asking Pete whether or not it was edited or not. And and he told me that you just record it. Um, you know, what you hear is, is, is the essentially the raw, uh, interaction between the two of you.
1: Yeah. We actually had to wrestle with whether or not we wanted to edit. And so far we only have one episode where we actually cut something because it just ran too long. And we wanted, you know, similar to what you're doing, we really wanted things to be a commutable length that like you get in the car to go to work and it's done by the time you get to work. So we had to make one edit once, but for the most part, what we decided as we're working in a state of flow and we don't use notes and we don't know what we're going to talk about when we get on the call to record, we just sort of go for it. And Certainly that has produced some episodes that we won't release because they're just not good. But most of the time there seems to be something in there that even if it makes us feel sort of like throwing up with nerves because it's so scary to put something that unfinished out into the world, we do it anyway. Cause there's probably something in there that could be helpful to someone.
0: Well, I am excited to hear the show and uh, for it to finally be out there. One of the goals of the show is to help uh, Alt-MBA alumni connect. And I have one final question. It's, it's actually a fill in the blank. Reach out if blank.
1: Reach out if you have landed on unconventional ways, To help people see the value in diversity and belonging, because that's something I'm super interested in right now is helping to advance the cause of diversity, but for the people who it's actually meant to serve, not for the people who it's not meant to serve. So I want to learn more about how to create communities of belonging. So please reach out if you have ideas about that. Reach out if I can help you. Get unstuck in some sort of creative way. You just need a little nudge of inspiration. I love nudging people. And reach out if you're ever in New York and you want to grab coffee. Because one of the greatest gifts the Alt-MBA family has given me is in all of my travel... I always post something on that alumni Slack channel and say, I'm going to be in Hong Kong, I'm going to be in San Diego, I'm going to be in Toronto, whatever it is. And I end up having a meal or coffee with a total stranger, but it's as if we've known each other our whole lives. So I would love to do that for someone
0: else. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for ways to contact Jen.